Hi folks, it's Rob from the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop. For a few years, I wrote, produced, and hosted a podcast called When You Hear This Sound, a show about the weird and wonderful world of read-along record books and storybook vinyl. As my life got more and more hectic, the episodes became fewer and farther between, until finally I stopped production in April of 2016. I've decided to include these old episodes as part of the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop, not only because I'm pretty proud of them, but because I would like to occasionally put out new When You Hear This Sound episodes under the Audio Workshop banner. I still have well over 100 read-along record books in my collection, and there are a few whose story behind the story would be well worth telling. As you listen to these old episodes, please note that the show notes will not be as extensive as they originally were. The websites where the podcast was hosted are long gone, as are the original show notes. So if you want to know more about something I mentioned in the episode, check the Audio Workshop's website, spacemonkeyx.net, but you may need to do a little Googling on your own. However, if there is a book included with the record, you will be able to find scans of it at the website. So please enjoy this archived episode of When You Hear This Sound, and be sure to look for new ventures into vinyl here at the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop in the future. Hello, boys and girls. I'm your Peter Pan storyteller. This is the story of the last starfighter. This is the story of gremlins. This is the story of Tron. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the story of The Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You can follow the story along with me. Every time you hear this sound. Every time you hear this sound. Turn the pages when you hear this sound. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the computer sound like this. Let's, let's begin, let's begin now. Greetings all you ghouls and goblins and welcome to the latest episode of When You Hear This Sound. This is your host, Rob Lamley. It's October, which means it's time for my favorite holiday, Halloween. And as a special treat, we'll be listening to one of the spookiest records in my ever-expanding collection, 1963's Famous Monsters Speak from Wonderland Records. After slow growth in the 1930s and 40s, television finally took root in America during the 1950s. At the start of the decade, there were about 3.8 million homes with a television set, but by 1960, there were nearly 46 million. As the audience expanded, so did the demand for content outside the primetime shows and sporting events served up by the larger networks like NBC and CBS. After all, there were only so many episodes of I Love Lucy and Leave it to Beaver to go around. So, much like radio stations had in the past, regional TV stations turned to independent syndication companies, who sold programming that could be run whenever there were gaps in the network broadcast schedule. One of these companies was Screen Gems, the syndication arm of Columbia Pictures. They produced such popular TV shows as The Adventures of Rin Tin Tin, The Donna Reed Show, and The Flintstones. They also worked with major movie studios to syndicate older films that had long since left theaters. One of their most successful movie deals debuted in 1957, when Screen Gems contracted with Universal Pictures to syndicate 550 pre-1948 films, including 52 horror films from the studio's golden age. Screen Gems bundled these horror films into a single syndication package dubbed Shock, complete with an exclamation point to emphasize the film's salacious subject matter. The Shock package made classics like Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Wolfman, and The Invisible Man, as well as lesser-known films such as Horror Island, The Mad Ghoul, and Pillow of Death, available to TV audiences for the very first time. 
The syndication of the Universal Monster movies coincided with the tween years of many of the kids from the baby boomer generation. They were the perfect age to make the films a slumber party staple, as they dared each other to stay up late and watch the scary movies that had frightened their parents years before. To up the entertainment value, the films were often presented on local TV stations with schlocky hosts like Count Gregor in Oklahoma City, Dr. Lucifer in Nashville, and Zachary the Cool Ghoul in New York City. The success of the shock films meant a whole new generation of fans were embracing all things creepy, kicking off a pop culture fad that would last well into the 1960s with young people who are now affectionately known in some circles as monster kids. I was looking in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from a slab began to rise and suddenly, to my surprise... One of the driving cultural forces behind the monster kids' obsession was famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, introduced in January 1958 by publisher James Warren and editor Forrest J. Ackerman. Ackerman, a devoted sci-fi and horror fan, suggested that Warren publish a magazine that would feature some of Ackerman's vast horror memorabilia. Warren agreed and printed 200,000s of what was supposed to be a one-off issue. But when every copy sold out within a couple of days, they decided to expand the idea to a regular monthly magazine. Packed with interviews from creature feature stables like Vincent Price and Christopher Lee, how-to guides to make gory makeup effects, commentary on classic monster movies, as well as news on upcoming horror films, Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine would go on to influence an entire generation of warped but creative kids in the 1960s and 70s. Names like Stephen King, John Carpenter, Rick Baker, Joe Dante, John Landis, Steven Spielberg, and many more cited as having a major impact on their careers. The magazine ran until 1983, but like so many movie monsters, has come back from the dead more than once, most recently in 2008. Although the magazine primarily lives on as a website at famousmonsters.com, Six issues are still printed every year for die-hard subscribers. Famous Monsters magazine wasn't the only one to cash in on the Monster Kids fad. Virtually every ghoul wound up getting tie-in products ranging from cheap dime store plastic figures to spooky bobblehead statues to glue-together model kits by Aurora Plastics, which have since become one of the most iconic symbols of the Monster Kids era. The craze expanded to popular music with novelty hits like 1958's The Purple People Eater by Sheb Woolley and 1962's Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett. Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the match. It even worked its way back to television, with creepy sitcoms The Munsters and The Addams Family, both debuting in 1964, and the cult favorite stop-motion special Mad Monster Party in 1967. By the late 1960s, as the baby boomers grew up and the real-world terrors of the Vietnam War began to encroach on American life, the monster fad faded away. The final nail in the coffin, so to speak, occurred when Neil Armstrong took his one small step for mankind in 1969. Of course, there were still monster movies and monster movie fans after the craze had passed, but the peak had come and gone like so many fads before it. Right in the middle of all this monster mania was 1963's Famous Monsters Speak, a record produced by Wonderland Records in conjunction with Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Despite all the big-name Universal Monsters on the cover, the record only has two stories starring Count Dracula and Frankenstein's monster. They're not retellings of the famous films, as one might expect, but are original stories that reference the films, all told from the monster's perspective. Founded in the 1950s, Wonderland was a label that focused mainly on kids' music and educational records, though they did release the occasional audio drama, most notably 1962's Ghost Stories for Children, in cooperation with the master of terror, Alfred Hitchcock. In the 1970s, Wonderland began producing storybook records based on classic novels by H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and The Time Machine. The label changed ownership a few times over the years, before being bought out and shut down in the early 1980s. 
The two stories on Famous Monsters Speak were written by Cherny Berg, the son of Gertrude Berg. Gertrude was an early pioneer in radio, becoming one of the first women to create, write, produce, and star in her own show, The Goldbergs, a sitcom about a Jewish family living in the Bronx. The 15-minute show aired from 1929 until 1946, then made the jump to television in 1949, where it ran until 1956. Cherny cut his teeth in Hollywood by writing and producing some of the later episodes of the TV show. Later in his career, Cherney became a story editor for the now mostly forgotten 1966 cartoon King Kong, produced by Rankin Bass and Toei Animation. Berg would return to Wonderland Records and to King Kong when he wrote and produced a 1974 record drama based on the original 1933 film. Berg also wrote a read-along record book, The Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow, in 1970 for Troll Books, which is probably the least scary retelling of the spooky ghost story that you'll ever hear. I'll put a YouTube link in the record in the show notes so you can see what I mean. Although Berg had a Hollywood pedigree, the real star of the Famous Monsters album is Gabriel Dell, who plays both Frankenstein's monster and Count Dracula. Dell was only 15 when he started his acting career as one of the original Dead End Kids, a group of young actors who starred in a popular Broadway production of the same name in 1934. The play told the story of a rough-and-tumble gang of boys coming up in the grimy post-oppression streets of New York City, and was such a hit that it was made into a film, 1937's Dead End, co-starring Humphrey Bogart. Originally signed to a two-year contract, the young actors ran rampant on the set, so producer Samuel Goldwyn sold their contract to Warner Brothers after only one picture. After a failed attempt to rebrand them the Crime School Kids, Warner released six more dead-end kid films, including the Oscar-nominated Angels with Dirty Faces, starring James Cagney in 1938. Over a career spanning two decades, the dead-end kids were kind of like Menudo. Some members of the group stayed, some left and were replaced, but essentially they played the same characters, thugs and wise guys, for various studios under different collective names. Sometimes they were known as the Dead End Kids, sometimes the Little Tough Guys, the East Side Kids, and finally the Bowery Boys. Their final film was 1958's In the Money, but by then Gabe Dell had left the group to pursue other opportunities. Dell has one geeky footnote worth mentioning. For many years it was thought that he provided the voice of Boba Fett in The Empire Strikes Back. Sometime later, Lucasfilm corrected the mistake by giving proper credit to Jeff Wingreen. However, they acknowledged that the mix-up could have been made because they were fairly certain Dell voiced Fett in the character's first appearance during the animated segment of the 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special. The voice of Fett on the special was uncredited, and since the show was famously produced independently of Lucasfilm, they couldn't be certain who had actually played the part. Many fans speculated that the voice was Don Franks, who played Fett on the 1985 TV series Droids. This assumption was made because Nelvana, the animation company that produced droids, also produced the animated segment of the holiday special. But I'm going to make the case for Gabe Dell right here, right now, with a few sound clips for you. First off, here's Boba Fett from the Star Wars holiday special. I said stay, friend. Luke trusted me, and I'm your only chance of getting out of here alive. Do you understand me? Now, here's a clip of Gabe Dell from Famous Monsters Speak. But I had a plan. Oh, yes. You are going to be alone as I was alone. And when I finish, there will only be the two of us. And then, Dr. Frankenstein, I'll follow you to the end of the earth. Finally, check out Don Franks as Boba Fett on Droids. No one escapes me. I have someone on the job. Just remember. Boba Fett. 
After this, we are settled, size from. After this, I owe you nothing. They're definitely all raspy and Clint Eastwood-esque, but in my opinion, there's no question that Dell was the original badass bounty hunter. Sadly, he passed away in 1988, so we may never have a definitive answer to this most important of nerdy inquiries. Another interesting pop culture note is that the album was heavily sampled by producer RJD2 for The Horror, the first track from his debut album Dead Ringer, released in 2003. If you're familiar with the song, you'll recognize a lot of the lines as you listen to Famous Monsters speak, but just in case it's new to you, here's a little sample of the samples. Turning back to the album, it's a very minimalist production. It's mostly sound effects and a handful of actors, with Gabe Dell being the most prominent voice. The Dracula story is, quite frankly, pretty boring. Dell does his best Lugosi impression, but the pace is so slow and Dell's voice is so soothing that it's easy to let your mind drift. Therefore, I'm not going to include the Dracula story in the show today, but if you guys really want to hear it, let me know and I'll release it as a bonus episode. Instead, we'll be listening to the story narrated by Frankenstein's monster, which is pretty damn disturbing. The creature breaks out of Frankenstein's lab and goes on a violent rampage, leading to some murder scenes that are truly uncomfortable to hear. Perhaps the most distressing is when he attacks a young woman and then carries her corpse back to Frankenstein in order to make him a bride. They say our minds fill in the blanks, that true horror is derived from what we don't see. And in this case, the sound design leads our imagination to some very dark places. With that, let's get on with the Halloween festivities and take a listen to Wonderland Records' 1963 release, Famous Monsters Speak. Happy Halloween! Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the Great Hall of the Institute of Technology in Zurich, Switzerland. As you have already read in the newspapers, a most amazing discovery has been made in this most discovery has been made in this most peaceful of countries. It seems that Dr. Victor Frankenstein, once thought to be a character in a story, did actually exist and created what we have come to call his monster. The purpose of this meeting today is to hear, for the first time, the actual voice of the monster. Strange as it may seem, Dr. Frankenstein made crude recordings of the monster's voice. The machine had to be rebuilt from Frankenstein's plans under the direction of Dr. Heinrich Eronius, the famed electronics engineer and dean of the university here. Many of the scientists who have come today are convinced that this is a hoax, but are here only because of the reputation of Dr. Eronius. The machine stands before us on the stage. It's a huge thing looking something like a bad dream out of a science fiction story. Two speakers are on either side of it. The recordings themselves are now being brought in. They, uh, they look like oversized tape reels. A technician is now placing one on the machine. Dr. Erroneous signals for silence. The lights are going down. The red indicator light on the machine has just gone on. And we are about to hear Frankenstein's monster speak for the first time. <laughs> What is 
has on his... What is that? He has on my head. Why must he hurt me? Why... Why do you look at me that way, Dr. Frankenstein? I know your name. I hate your name. Yes.
escape if you can, Dr. Frankenstein! What do you call your monster? You never gave me a name, but I have yours. I am called Frankenstein's monster. What a name you've added to the ghosts and the ghouls. The things that haunt and frighten. To the phantoms of the mind. But I, I am real. See? See? It hurts. I feel. I live. I get my words. I am the monster tied to you forever. The hell that can only free you by giving you death. It's too easy for you. Too kind. Too gentle. While you live, you suffer. I see now that's my purpose. My only revenge. Frankenstein! I give you the gift. Time, 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 time to understand the horror you've created. And for myself, I will amuse myself with terror and murder. That ends the first of what I can only call the tape recordings of the monster's voice. The, uh, the technicians are threading another spool into the machine and shortly we'll hear the second part of this amazing voice from the past. From the recordings, it's obvious that the monster has broken loose and is now free to rampage through the peaceful Swiss countryside. The, the doctor is signaling for silence. The machine started. We are now going to hear again the innermost thoughts of Dr. Frankenstein's ghastly creation. Killing if you 
I'm not sharing. It's not an easy thing to be a monster, to be hated and feared, to be alone. Ah, but I'm not alone, am I? I have you, Dr. Frankenstein. I'm your child. Why do you step back from me? Come closer. Closer. Too easy to tear you, to crush you, to trap you into the stone floor. Not good enough for you. Do quick. Do simple. You must live as I live alone. Hated and hating. That's punishment. You tried to stop me, remember? So little faith in your own creation. But I stopped you. Did it hurt? Did you feel pain? I picked you up. Remember what power I felt to have your life in my hands. For a moment I was your judge, your jury, your executioner. But no, I didn't condemn you. Not then. I, if you died, what would I have to live for? What a week. Helpless thing you are. I saw you lying there, eyes half closed, making believe you were unconscious. <laughs> I knew you were watching, so I became your mindless monster again. the second recording. There is an increasing air of uneasiness here in the hall. I notice that the lights have been turned up brightly and the scientists seem to have taken to looking behind them. The monster's terrifying indictment of Dr. Frankenstein is being taken seriously and there is a great deal of speculation about what is going to happen next. The tape is ready now. The lights have gone down just slightly.
What if I asked her if I could come in, be warm, to talk, to have a friend? I won't hurt you. I hold out my hands to her. I speak to her, but she doesn't hear what I'm saying. My voice... to calm her. I stroke her head so pretty, so soft. Can a monster love? Why couldn't she understand? I spoke to her. Look! I told her how I felt. Untie me. 
house. Let me go, Frankenstein. The fire. Come back. No. No. Not alone. Come back. Frankenstein, come back. I wasn't made to die like this. Frankenstein, don't leave me to burn. Which one of us is the monster now? I will not die before you, Dr. Frankenstein. You made me too strong for chains. I think I died in the fire. Let Dr. Frankenstein think he's rid of me. There's no place to hide from me. I'm your monster, and I'm coming for you, no matter where, no matter when. Change your name, change your face, but I'll find you. No one, no one is safe. Oh, my God.